today on Ag News Daily. Everyone seems to be vying uh, for acreage moving forward. Now, I'm not saying that cotton is vying for acreage already, but by all means, everyone and their brothers trying to figure out a way uh, to get a hold of some acres. Now, whenever I look at cotton prices. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Market Monday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined today by Ashton Carr. Ashton, I almost said it was a Tech Tuesday when I jumped forward a day in the week, and we're not quite there yet. You're right. We're not quite there yet, but it already feels like at least just a long day. I got up this morning. I'm trying to get into a good routine of, you know, working out, getting my day started, doing some work on my computer, but I just had a really bad headache today. So I tried to lay down for a minute. And as soon as I was closing my eyes, just for like a quick 30 minute cat nap, my maintenance guy knocked on my door. So I had to deal with that. So it's been a day for sure. It has. It has been a day. Um, I had a, I haven't had anything exciting happen today, but over the weekend, uh, got to go back to the farm, riding the combine. It is harvest time and I've seen some guys getting some pretty good yields coming out of the fields. I know we're going to chat today with Matt Bennett, who is in the field as well. So we're going to get his take on what he's hearing and seeing and what he's getting out of the field himself. But I've been hearing a lot of guys, Ashton, that have been in some been getting some pretty pretty good yields for soybeans. So that uh, certainly is going to weigh on the market at some point. And that sounds really exciting. I hope that this is a trend that we do continue to see even into the world of cotton because I am not so sure that that crop will harvest as well as hopefully soybeans do, or at least that soybeans is sounding like they're doing pretty well. But we're going to have to stay tuned for that because cotton harvest isn't for another couple of weeks or so. Okay, that's true. I guess I am not as familiar with cotton harvest and production, Ashton. So when does that start? Um, it'll typically start towards like mid to end October, at least here in Lubbock. A lot of my friends work for producers out here. So around Halloween, they're pretty busy staying, you know, in the combine for long nights, which I'm sure that you know all about Delaney. So I don't have to explain that bit, but they're pretty busy during that time. Okay. Well, we will have to pay attention then and see when that happens, because that will be an exciting time for folks down in your neck of the woods. But uh, Ashton, in the meantime, I suppose we should chat about some other ag news for today. What are you watching? Well, of course, I've been looking out for African swine fever news because it's not going away anytime soon, unfortunately. And the latest bit here is that Russia has reported an outbreak of ASF at a site of the country's largest pork producer, Miratorg, in central Russia. Now, Miratorg is privately owned and wasn't available for immediate comment. So that's really all I have right now. You know, most of these cases that we've been seeing in this part of the world have been spread because of wild boars, but this is the country's largest pork producer, not a small farm like some of the other stories that we've seen. So I'm anxious for Miratorg to come out and say something whether that's talking about how they're trying to you know, mitigate the spread or if they're calling off some of their pigs, those kinds of things. So I'm probably going to have a follow-up later this week if Mir Torg ever comes out and says anything, which I would assume they would. 
All right. Well, I hadn't seen that piece of news. So good catch there by you, Ashton. One piece of news I did see for today, though, that I've been keeping my eye on has been right along in line with what you're suggesting. But uh, hog herds as a whole, according to a report on Friday, are signaling that we're shrinking here in the United States. The American hog herd was 3.9% lower than a year ago as of September 1st. That the USDA said on Friday's report, which is the biggest drop for one month since 1999. And Ashton, I know you were reading some commentary today and saw the big move we had in the lean hog markets. And we certainly saw that feeding into today's market prices. We saw December hogs jump as much as 6% today. So we'll get Matt's take on that here in just a little bit. Well, Delaney, I'm going to move things down to Louisiana. Of course, we've been talking a ton about Hurricane Ida and a new report from the LSU Ag Center experts has said that at least $584 million in damage has been calculated from Hurricane Ida, at least in that southeastern portion of the state. And just to go over a couple of quick numbers here, timber damage makes up about half that amount. And another 35% is attributed to the loss of infrastructure like fences, machinery, equipment, and buildings. And then a couple of other notes here is that the sugarcane crop, which is, of course, something that we kind of predicted here since Louisiana is big on sugarcane, but about 139,000 acres of sugarcane, which is just a quarter. I say just a quarter. That's a, a pretty large number there, but it's a quarter of Louisiana's total cane crop is projected to have somewhat lower yields due to storm damage. It's not said that it's you know, completely just wiped out, but it's going to have some lost yields, which is probably, you know, to be expected here. And just moving on to livestock, the death toll for livestock is currently estimated at about 22 head. It's not said if this is poultry, swine, cattle, but it's estimated about 22 head that have perished because of Hurricane Ida. And 95% of farm infrastructure was destroyed and pastures have been unavailable for grazing because of flooding, the lack of fencing and piled up debris. So I assume that, you know, the livestock that didn't perish are not in great condition right now, but those are the total numbers that I have on hand. Yeah, and I appreciate you giving those updated numbers, Ashton, because I didn't have anything specific to agriculture last week when I shared my numbers, but uh, definitely continuing to see those numbers trickle through. And, you know, you mentioned cotton harvest at the beginning of the podcast, Ashton, and we're going to start to see, I'm sure, as folks get rolling there, what kind of damage we saw in cotton country, probably a little bit less than some of the other commodities that you're mentioning there, but... A lot of factors have been added into Cotton's extended rally. We'll get, of course, Matt's take on this as well. But we've seen some of the highest prices since 2012 that have been posted on the board today. We saw prices up for a fifth day, jumping 4% last week, and have been really supported by a lot of different components here. Shortage on the marketplace, speculation that we'll see some rising demand in China, and just a lot of things overall that has really pushed cotton to some new highs, some fresh highs for a while. And the big the big thing of that is demand. What's going to happen from a demand side of things? And on the corn and soybeans side of the demand picture, we did see U.S. exporters sell 334,000 tons of soybeans headed to China, which certainly helped to support market prices 
today, Ashton? Well, when we're talking about cotton, Delaney, I saw a story earlier today talking about what we're seeing in cotton when it comes to demand and and those kinds of things, exactly what you were hitting on there. But there was um, a little piece that I read talking about how India also might be seeing some issues when it comes to their cotton crop. I can't remember um, the disease or it might have been a bug. I can't remember off the top of my head, Um, but they're seeing some kind of infestation or, you know, some issues when it comes to the quality of their cotton. So that might also be another thing that we have to take into consideration there. It certainly will. Overall, there's a lot of interesting factors lining up here as we head into the heart of harvest season, Ashton. There absolutely is, Delaney, but I am going to round things out, at least with my bit of news here, going away from harvest and talking a little bit more about policy and things that are going on at the Hill. As U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has told Democrats the $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill will come to the floor for a vote this Thursday instead of today. She told ABC News yesterday that she's never bringing a bill to the floor that doesn't have the votes and says they will have the votes. Pelosi says that the president's plan to invest in social safety net and climate policy might end up smaller than expected. Pelosi also added that she's working to build a consensus on Biden's $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. The House Budget Committee voted Saturday to pass the bill and send it to the House floor. And it's been reported that Senate Republicans plan to block a House-passed bill later today that would temporarily fund the government and suspend the debt ceiling. And funding must be approved by Thursday to prevent a government shutdown. So waiting to vote on this until Thursday, it's really kind of cutting it close there. It certainly sounds that way, Ashton. And I've, I got to... I'm sorry, Ashton. I'm not going to lie to you. I I got to make a quick laugh here. Uh, my dad is at home working on some house projects for Blaine and I, and he just sent me a photo that my dog had a little accident on the carpet. So it just cracks me up. So I'm sorry, Ashton. I was half paying attention to your story, but uh, just a quick side note there that I thought everybody would like to know. There's little Tootsie Rolls that my dad just sent me a picture of. Yeah. See, even though we are podcast personalities and, you know, pretty famous. We uh, are everyday people like our listeners. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. hundred percent there, Ashton. (laughs) So uh, getting back on track though, I just wanted to mention one other thing here as we head into chatting markets, we've got the 2021 wheat crop tour going on, and that is pointing to some good quality, but poor yields across the board. In the August 12th USDA crop production report, other spring wheat production for grain was forecast at about 343 million bushels, which is down 41% from last year. And USDA will report harvested acre estimates in this week's September 30th small grains summary. And we could see some adjustments made to that report as well. Might just be one other thing to uh, touch base with Matt on today, Ashton. And that was really the only other piece of news I had for today. So let's go ahead and hop into the markets today, see how they traded ahead of today's crop progress and more importantly, harvest progress report, which comes out at 3 p.m. today. And we did see some strength today in the corn markets. December corn up 12 and three quarters cents to close at 539 and a half. The March up 12 and a half cents to close at 547 even. In the soybean pits today, the November contract up two and a half cents to close at 12.87 and a half. The January up two and three quarters to close at 12.97. And hopping over to look at the wheat market for today. As I mentioned, we've got, of course, spring wheat 
going on right now. And that certainly played out into today's markets. We saw the December Chicago contract down a penny and a half to close at 722 and a quarter. The March down a penny to close at 733 and three quarters. Livestock today had some mixed trade because, of course, we saw on Friday a pretty bearish cattle on feed report. We also saw a pretty bullish uh, report when it come, came to the hog market. So we did see that play out today. And we saw some weakness, as I mentioned, October live cattle down 52.5 cents to close at 122.40. The Deese down 35 cents to close at 127.80. Feeder cattle today down $2.57.5 in the October market to close out today at 154.77.5. The November down $3 to close at 155.57.5. And, and in lean hogs today, the uh, deferred contracts Closed limit up for today with the December contract up $4.75 to close at $81.55. The February up $4.75 as well to close at $84.42 and a half. And in the class three dairy milk futures, the October contract up 25 cents today to close at $17.55. The November up 32 cents to close at $17.28. Without further ado, Ashton, let's kick it over to our conversation today with Matt Bennett to chat markets. Well, as promised, we are chatting today with Matt Bennett of agmarket.net, who is joining us live today from the Combine. Well, wait, actually, I should clarify, Matt, are you still in the Combine right now? Yes, I am. I'm cutting beans right now here uh, in Shelby County in Illinois. Fantastic. How are things looking? You know, we're uh, just starting our third week of harvest. Uh, We kind of, uh, it was a little slower start, uh, had some wet corn, but, you know, some of those folks were running discounts, uh, trying to get a hold of corn as quick as they could, you know, because a lot of these people uh, flat out didn't have a whole lot of corn coming into harvest. So first week was a little bit slower. Last week, it kind of picked up the pace a little bit, but we had some rain uh, switched over. We've done some corn, some beans, and we're probably about one third of the way through harvest, but tell you what the next five or six days we're gonna hopefully as long as we don't have any issues with repairs hopefully we're gonna have one heck of a week so as we're talking about harvest here matt of course the question about harvest pressure comes to mind how long are you thinking that's gonna last in the markets well you know the thing about harvest pressure so far uh you know a lot of folks are running premiums heading into harvest uh, and it was because we were running such tight situations for corn and beans. Those premiums evaporated rather rapidly. Now, the interesting dynamic, dynamic we've seen over the last several days of folks have switched from corn over to beans is that some of those basis levels actually improved, uh, you know, because uh, some of the elevator systems and some of the end users, if you will, I don't think that they felt that their needs had been met or the prompt had been sufficiently primed, if you will. And so uh, some of those basis levels came back in. And uh, by all means, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, I've got to think that uh, it's going to be an interesting dynamic, at least until uh, we get back in the full swing of corn. Now, as far as soybeans are concerned, I think you'll see a lot of hedge pressure, a lot of harvest pressure, you know, for the next, oh, I don't know, I would say for quite some time, uh, probably the next uh, two to three weeks, if not uh, throughout harvest, because I think this is a pretty good sized bean crop, which we, you know, we can talk about, uh, talk about that as well. Yeah, I want to touch base on that bean crop and what you actually think we're going to see from this week's quarterly grain stocks report, Matt. You know, from the quarter, quarterly stocks report, my, my personal opinion is that um, 
this corn is likely to be pretty tight. Okay, so we've seen three quarterly stocks ro- uh, reports in a row that have been fairly snug. We've also seen your ending stocks report the last two years actually be a bullish surprise. And so, you know, I felt for quite some time that coming out of that 2019 crop that maybe we missed uh, just how much damage had been done. And I feel like that was reflected later on in stocks. Now, I don't want the USDA's job by any means, so I'm not throwing shade at them. I just feel like it's taken us a while to kind of true up how badly we missed that uh, from back then. And so, you know, whenever we get into this stocks report, uh, the USDA's currently got us pushing 1.2 billion bushels, but I've got to think that it's more snug than that. The average trade guess is below uh, what the September number was. And uh, quite frankly, Ag Market's uh, official guess, you know, was the lowest on the books. And we came in at 998. Now, I'm not saying we feel strongly we're going to be under a billion, uh, but we definitely feel like we, sh- we could be very close to a billion. And the re- reason for that is because just how tight this situation was. So, you know, our, our sister companies, John Stewart Associates, they work uh, almost exclusively with commercial clients. And to tell you what, you'd have to search high and uh high and low to be able to find anybody coming into harvest that had a any any amount of corn whatsoever. So I definitely think that the corn one's going to be tight. Bean stocks, I don't think you'll see any surprises. Matt, you mentioned we've seen some adjustments to basis, but what about today's corn futures? Why today's strength? Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's interesting. Uh, to be honest with you, this morning, I was actually, uh, we had some people who were wanting to kind of buy some corn in anticipation of this report, you know, and we didn't feel like coming in on Monday, a typical Monday, whenever harvest is going on, you'll see some hedge pressure uh, right off the back. You'll see some, uh, you know, some harvest pressure, if you will. But, uh, you know, we were down on the overnight markets. You come in on the day session, and all of a sudden you look up and, you know, you're racing higher. You end up uh, 12, 13 cents higher on the day. Uh, why did we go up so much? Well, I think there's a couple, three things going on. I think that, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk that the yield is as big as what it's going to get, first of all. And then I think uh, an underlying thing that probably didn't play so much into today, but it certainly plays into a long-term type thought process on this corn market, you know, is, is fertilizer prices. Uh, for the 22 crop right now, I think a lot of people are taking a look and saying, hey, you know what? I don't want to be caught short, short corn in any aspect uh, because it's going to be hard for us to come up with a huge acreage number this next year whenever we look at fertilizer prices as robust as what they are, uh, considering these 22 corns only trading, you know, in that 5 uh, to 515. I think we closed today maybe at 517 or 18, uh, but that was after a big update. We've been languishing around $5 for quite some time. Yeah, man. I mean, you mentioned fertilizer prices. Those have been crazy to watch here. What's your speculation? Are we going to see those slow down? No, I don't think so, unfortunately. You know, I, the way that I've explained it to people, you know, we looked a year ago, for instance, at uh, uh, trying to get as much fertilizer on as we possibly could. And that had, we had no idea fertilizer prices would do what they do. Uh, we didn't, um, you know, we didn't have any crystal ball there. It was just fertilizer prices was as cheap as we'd seen them in years. And so, you know, uh, whenever we come in here this fall, uh, you're looking at, uh, you know, a similar fertilizer program uh, to a year ago. For instance, a lot of people in my part of the world might put on 200 pounds of potash and and 200 pounds of DAP. And last year, you know, whereas that was uh, running in that $80 range, $75 to $80 an acre, uh, due to the fact that it was pretty cheap. 
uh, this year, uh, the quotes recently have been 150 to 160. So, you know, I'm no math major, but uh, uh, we've basically doubled dry fertilizer and not to mention anhydrous ammonia, you know, in my part of the world is, is running around $800 a ton right now. So uh, now do I expect those things to, uh, uh, to go away anytime soon? I really don't. I think that the fertilizer industry you know, typically uh, has been one that's been, uh, oh, basically uh, acting in whatever way that they want to act because there's not a whole lot of players there. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to be hard on them. It's just that's the nature of their industry. And so obviously with commodity prices going up, fertilizer prices have gone, have gone up. And a lot of people have asked the questions, why is that? Uh, it's because that they can go up. And so, you know, whenever you look at natural gas, uh, we've seen, uh, you know, not a whole lot of bargains there. You know, people trying to lock in propane this year because uh, certainly energy prices uh, continue to be strong. Uh, when you look today at $75 crude oil, you know, there's a whole lot of reasons that you would think anything based upon uh, any of your energies is going to be pretty strong in price. And I don't think fertilizers are going to be, uh, you know, uh, I don't think they're going to be immune to that either. So Matt, I want to kick things over to cotton as we saw prices a little bit higher today as that market continues to kind of build up from last week's turnaround as they posted all-time contract highs overnight. I mean, does that sound right to you? I want to explore that a little bit. You know, the interesting thing, uh, and, I, and I don't want to talk around cotton by any means, I've talked a lot about cotton. Uh, it, it was over $90 for quite some time now. You know, you look at cotton over $90. You look at wheat over $7, both KC and uh, Chicago. Of course, Minneapolis over $9. Uh, you know, everyone seems to be vying uh, for acreage moving forward. Now, I'm not saying that cotton is vying for acreage already, but by all means, everyone and their brothers trying to figure out a way uh, to get a hold of some acres. Now, whenever I look at cotton prices, you know, I, I don't think that your cotton uh, situation is, is anything where you've got an abundance of supply, if you will. And so uh, there's no doubt whenever it gets into this cotton discussion that uh, there's a lot of folks that don't want to be short uh, cotton market. And, and, and we've uh, seen buying continue as we've, uh, as we've moved through here. And then you say all time contract highs. I mean, it's an interesting time of the year to see that, you know, because you're going to be getting uh, into, uh, you know, cotton harvest in earnest uh, moving forward. I mean, we've already seen, of course, a fair amount, but it's a, it's a little longer window. I don't think people in our part of the world necessarily understand. I mean, I've been in in Texas before, you know, in November, uh, and, and some of these folks have been harvesting cotton. It's a fairly long window they've got there, but uh, definitely a very, very dynamic, impressive market. And I don't necessarily expect this cotton market to slow down anytime soon. Now, Matt, one market that has slowed down has been the cattle complex. We saw on Friday the cattle on feed report come out. We saw some weakness today trading that report. Where do we head from here? Well, definitely the numbers would have been, you know, what I would, some people say it was bearish, some people say slightly bearish, but regardless, as far as cattle were concerned, uh, I think the reason, I mean, we started out the day with some weaknesses you would expect, and then you come in and you see what's going on over the feeders. The feeders are going to have a tough day uh, when this corn market is racing higher. Now, uh, feeders have been a bargain, so to speak, at times uh, of late. I, I think whenever you look at the numbers before this last cattle on feed report, I felt like on the board anyway, the feeders were 
quote unquote a bargain. But, you know, the reality of the situation is that I don't know any uh, anyone throughout the cattle country that has uh, been able to say, hey, uh, I was able to take a benefit or take advantage of these feeder prices being low because let's face it, this cash market has been strong. It's been strong for some time. And I don't think that the feeder cattle market is anything that's going to back off, uh, you know, as far as the cash is concerned. Yes, we got beat up today. You would expect to get beat up whenever your feed costs are going up. That's just simple economics. But at the same time, uh, go out and try to buy feeders cheaper today. And I'm not totally sure you're going to have much success. So, Matt, as we kind of wrap up our question here, I definitely wanted to talk about lean hogs because we saw some limit gains today. What's going on there? Well, I mean, your report last Friday it was as bearish as what cattle was, uh, and I don't think it was super bearish, but uh, hogs was, uh, I'd, I'd say it was uh, the reverse, you know, significantly better. Uh, no no question about it. I mean, at a time though, when we needed it, you know, whenever I've tried to talk about hogs here lately, uh, I guess I felt like whenever you got into the $80 level and above on your front month, I said, you know, that's plenty rich for the time being. Obviously, we went uh, well over $100 for some time. We're able to trade uh, these hogs to some prices we hadn't seen, uh, you know, uh, really uh, a lot of people hadn't really ever seen, I guess, uh, you know, depending on how old you are. But uh, bottom line, as far as hogs are concerned, I don't know. Uh, we had a good report last week up the limit today. Uh, to me, I don't think that I would expect this to be something that has a lot of legs. The way I've talked about hogs lately is that for me to stay friendly, uh, you've got to see a really steady dose of strong Chinese demand. And I'm not sure that we can uh, you know, necessarily count on that. So anybody who's an independent hog producer, I would pay attention anytime you get a day like we saw today uh, and you get price levels, jump three bucks in one fell swoop. Uh, I think I'd be paying pretty close attention. Matt, how do we trade tomorrow after this uh, move today? Well, I think with hogs, I mean, I don't think that you're going to see any sort of expanded limit gains, but maybe okay. you will. I'm not an expert, if you will, on hogs. I mean, I watched them closely. I have for many years. Uh, but I will tell you, Delaney, that on the way up, whenever we went uh, over to 110 and higher, I was, uh, if I would have been trading, and I wasn't, I want to make sure we understand that. If I would have been trading, I'd have been short the whole time and I'd probably be bankrupt right now. So uh, I did not think hogs were going to do what they did, but I just don't feel like you're going to get that kind of a run again. I know some people are hopeful we'll see that happen again. I don't see it happening. All right. Well, fantastic, Matt. We certainly appreciate your time today. We hope you have a great harvest. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, for for sure, the one thing I, I want to encourage everyone, I know that most all of us have a fantastic uh, uh, weather forecast for this week. We all want to get a lot done, but please be careful out there. I got to consistently remind myself of the very same thing because I want to I want to make as much progress as I can as well but I'll tell you what that's when accidents happen absolutely that's a good thing to keep in mind folks as you're out there listening to us in your combines please be safe but Matt thanks again absolutely thank you Well, again, a big thank you there to Matt. Really appreciated his time. And as he was saying there, Ashton, it's important to remember to stay safe during this harvest season. I know firsthand, we all like to push the envelope a little bit. We want to get in. We want to get done ahead of any sort of inclement weather that could uh, impact commodities. But we certainly want to be safe this harvest season. 
Absolutely, Delaney. I have taken a fall off of the ladder a time or two just because I am not very coordinated, but hopefully everyone out there does stay safe. And while they are chugging along in the combine, they can, of course, listen to the Ag News Daily podcast at agnewsdaily.com. But also, they can't get too burnt out. So we have to remind them that we also have shows on the Global Ag Network that they can listen to at globalagnetwork.com. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let him go.